Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Thanks for downloading this episode of Scuffed, as has been well documented. Weston McKenney, Tyler Adams, and Giovanni Reyna started and played important roles in wins for their clubs over the weekend. Three big-time performances, and they happen to segue nicely with a subject that always brightens the eye of the hardcore fan of the men's national team. How's old Greg Berhalter going to line up that midfield? Hey, Greg. Greg Velasquez. Hello, Bells. The Savior Committee is thriving. Yes, we've nearly reached a quorum. We're close. We are close. We can hold votes any day now. Yeah. Not any day now. We're not going to hold a vote in October. No, the body's not going to be taking any action for a little while. Let's work with our way through these three big performances and then get into the weeds, deep into the weeds. Yes, my favorite place to be. But first, quick thank you to all our supporters on Patreon. Several of you heard the call on Twitter and signed up and... Seriously, that's awesome. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Now, Weston McKinney at Juve. <laughs> no big deal. No <laughs> big deal at all. Started. Went 90. Any thoughts on his performance before I just start r- prattling on? Once again, like a guy who just comes in and immediately looked like he belonged. Uh, did not look out of place at all. Wasn't sort of the uh, a bumbling comic relief to Juve's professional demeanor. So... Uh, that was that was sort of the the worst case scenario for what we could have seen once we saw his name in the lineup, and uh, obviously he was not that. <laughs> yeah, I would say he was. You know, I, uh, Adam Whitaker Snavely, his newsletter did a good job of sort of explaining that hey, just belonging in that lineup and looking like you're not out of place is sort of a huge accomplishment, and and it, and it is from an American perspective. But I I would go a little further. I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was even pretty good in some ways. He had a couple moments where he got caught in possession in places where you would rather not get caught in possession, but I'd say, you know, 95% of what he did in that game was was positive and you could tell the fans appreciated his his sliding challenges and, you know, his energy out there. Yeah, he he also managed to sort of throw in that extra Weston McKenney value. Uh, once they started bringing him up on set pieces into the box, uh, I mean, he, he essentially created that their second goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he came close to a, a couple of, or he came close on that chance and then uh, another chance a little later in the game. Yeah, would have been really cool for him. You know, he he, he thwacked that ball with the outside of his right boot. Right boot. Uh, right boot. <laughs> his right boot. Uh, and um, it was an amazing save to keep it out of the goal. And then, of course, Bonucci came in and cleaned up the mess. Oh, Bonucci. Uh, I'm going to read a few words in Italian because it's kind of fun. <laughs> we haven't been able to do this since Michael Bradley at Roma. Yeah. And we weren't podcasting back then. No, we definitely weren't. And, you know, somebody's going get, to get after me for my pronunciation, but let me try it here. Uh, stratosferico, sontuoso, perfetto, potente, impavido, strepitoso, sorprendente. Those translate roughly to stratospheric, sumptuous, perfect, powerful, fearless, sensational, and su- surprising. And they are words used by Juve fans in response to a tweet from the club asking for an adjective that describes McKenney's performance. 
So I just thought that'd be kind of fun. I'm not sure I would go as far as those fans, but I believe it is fair to say he made a favorable first impression. He did. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I also always try to keep myself from getting uh, too far ahead uh, in the sense that like this, this still is just one game and Juve does have incredibly high expectations for outcomes, for performance. Uh, so we don't want to say, well, that's it. Weston McKenney is going to be a guaranteed starter for you know, a Scudetto winning club for the foreseeable foreseeable future. Uh, it's good to go back and remember that Josh Sargent scored a goal on his Werder Bremen debut. Mm. Uh, I think within seconds of coming onto the field, there's no way he can go anywhere but up. And then for the next 18 months, he was sort of in and out of the lineup, a lot of times out of the lineup. So it's, it's still important to hedge uh, as far as what McKenney's future with Juve will be and that it's not sort of just nailed on. But it's also important to know that you know, we're, we're talking about the essentially highest level a player can play. So the fact that he's even in that discussion or in that picture is, is just massive. Yeah. I would say even like the opposite is true. The opposite of him now automatically starting a lot of games. I think, I think he's still probably second choice. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but (laughs) been wrong before. We're talking from a U.S. men's national team standpoint. The difference between those things is negligible. Like that, he's still then, inst- like instantly in the pantheon of like the highest achievers uh, that our national team has ever produced. Yep. Yeah. Still, still kind of marveling at the whole situation. To be honest with you. All, All right, right. Let's move across the border. Do they share a border? Uh. <laughs> I. I don't, think, don't so. think so. Yeah, it's pretty close though. Everything's kind of crowded over there. Yeah, up to go, moving up to Germany, northeastern part of Germany. RB Leipzig won three one over Mainz, and Adams Tyler Adams went ninety in the midfield. Well, it was perhaps partly at fault for the goal that was conceded, but not. He also he also played quite well, I thought. Now he didn't play as a deep lying midfielder in this game. No, he did in their uh, poll call game, uh, and, and we'll kind of talk more about the specifics of it, I think, later. Uh, but in this game, he was, li- and, and you know, there was there was a big, big sort of not firestorm, but a big discussion over Adams and the roles that he played and how that could translate to um, the roles that Burhalter likes to use. Uh, and you know, we're we're obviously part of that discussion. Um, but then when this lineup was announced. Adams was originally listed as playing a center back. So sort of in that, in a three man back line as a center back. So kind of in the space that he occupied in that Paul call game. So it sort of uh, reignited and confirmed certain ideas of what he, what he could do and how his club's using him. Uh, but then in the actual game itself against mines, he was very much part of a double pivot with uh, Campbell and they played ahead of a three man sort of back line. That was two center backs and, Klosterman playing as sort of a stay home right back. If you want to see what that looked like, uh, Watke did a great uh, video on the build up, on, on Leipzig's build outs and where Adams and Campbell were in relation to each other. And uh, Bob Morocco posted uh, Klosterman's heat map uh, and compared it to their left back's heat map. So you got to see the sort of asymmetry of Klosterman staying home and their left back being more of the traditional attacking left back. Okay, so Nagelsmann and Ber- Berhalter are both on in the avant-garde when it comes to build-outs. <laughs> we'll get more into that for sure. I don't know that there's that much else to say about Adams' game. Like he, he, he did his usual thing of being extremely disruptive, 
hard to dribble past, good at good at breaking up what the other team is doing, and and efficient and what's the word? Uh, not a lot of not unadventurous. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of mistakes, but unadventurous. And again, th- those aren't meant to be insults. Right. Okay. Third, the third uh, sort of quote unquote midfielder. We hate Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna, more adventurous. Yeah. But also, I mean, worth pointing out, not super adventurous with his passing, I didn't think. Uh, but he scored a first half game winner in a 3 0 victory for Dortmund over Borussia Munchen Gladbach. And he, uh, he also drew the penalty for the second goal. So, yeah, very eventful attacking game for young Gio Reyna in his very first Bundesliga opener. <laughs> yeah. He started a couple of games for them, but you know this is big because it was the start of the season, leaving Julian Brandt and Marco Royce on the bench. Also a little bit crazy to, admit, to think that that's what's going on. His goal was a well-taken finish from kind of a tight angle, put it through the legs of a sliding defender and wrong-footed the keeper, uh, went far corner with it. it. The chance emerged from a poor touch. It's worth noting, I think. Uh, and then he drew yeah, the kind of, he kind of pinballed the ball off of a defender's legs. Right. And it bounced favorably to a teammate. Yeah. To, um, Jude Bellingham, who then played a nice little outside of the, outside of the foot pass to him behind. And then he drew the penalty for the insurance goal from the spot by Erling Holland, uh, maybe made a meal out of it, but he, there was contact. There was contact. I'm glad he went down. Yeah, the meal of it, it's kind of funny. Uh, like, it, he, you can say he flopped uh, to get the call, but it's almost, it kind of was the opposite. Like, I think his flop was so kind of poor <laughs> that he didn't get the call in real time. Like, the referee didn't give it to him, I think, because it was such, like, a awkward, obvious dive uh, for his body motion. So it was only by going to the video and being like, oh, well, he did get kicked in the foot. And then he just looked ridiculous with his dive, but definitely kicked. So there's the penalty. So the the flop would have cost him pre-VAR uh, with with VAR. I mean, you still have to go down no matter what to get to, to have any chance of getting the call. But now that there's a video review, uh, they get to see that even though it was a bad dive, there he was in fact fouled. So there you have it. Right. Yeah. And and he gets fouled because he's exceptional at putting defenders in in awkward positions where they have to lunge, and he's already passed them or he's he's moved. Uh, into an unexpected space. Yep. Very smooth. Very smooth. Uh, he's at most at home when he is dribbling the soccer ball. Um, and it's weird that, like, we're so thrilled by McKinney at, at Juve that we're not, at least I'm not talking or thinking about it about it as much that Reyna is at Dortmund. I think that's because Pulisic's success at the Westfalen Stadium kind of numbs me a little bit to that fact that we have another... 17 year old there but it is a huge deal i guess nobody needs me to say that but no and i'm not i'm not numb to it at all and judging by the the you know onslaught of reina starting tweets that we used to see when Pulisic was starting back in the day uh it's and, and we saw the same thing with mckenny like people are still really justifiably excited about this jazzed we be jazzed uh and then oh yeah i was i just want to say as a side note Erling Holland, what a striker. What a player. Unbelievable. I mean, and Sancho too. But the run that Holland made on that third goal in that game, 
it's it comes off a corny. This has nothing to do with Americans. <laughs> just have to I just have to say it. He's 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 guarding the front post on a corner kick, and then it it kind of pings around after the corner kick. And as soon as he sees that it's going to be a counterattack, he puts his head down and sprints full tilt, 120 yards. He is a freight train. Yeah, because he knows there is just a little bit of a chance that he's going to get a chance to score. And sure enough, he's the one that who arrives in the box first, and Sancho just slips it into him, and then bang, 3-0. And it's one of those things where I don't know if he knows it or not, but like it's it's obvious as soon as he starts running, no one else from from Mines who's who's sort of going to chase the play the way Erling Holland is is going to stay with him. So it's it's like he's going to add that extra man advantage to any of those situations because there's just no way that anyone's going to stay with him in that 70 yard race. Right. It's awesome to see. I it is that. so cool. He, he has a couple of those. I think people are basically like making memes of Erling Holland racing past. Uh, you know, whatever it is, any anything where you have a bunch of people running in the same direction, Holland just breezes past them. It's it's intelligent too, you know. I mean, I, I know you, you know, you know that, but like he doesn't. Even if he doesn't get the ball and doesn't score, like you said, he creates a numerical advantage. So maybe somebody else gets the gets the final ball and gets a chance to score on goal. I mean, it's just wonderful to see. <laughs> It's it, it also like shows that uh, sort of puts that spotlight on how much better the soccer is watching these players play for these teams than it was a couple years ago watching McKenny at Schalke a couple years ago, seven months ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> Josh Sargent at Bremen. Like suddenly the guys that we get to watch and concentrate on are playing for these well-oiled machines that have like, again, this is where you can really use the word world-class talent around them. Yeah. And then they're buddies, you know. McKinney's buddies with Ronaldo, Reyna's buddies with uh, Holland and Sancho. Wild. Bellingham, yeah, coming up. Yes. So, so yes. Axel Witzel, that afterthought. Are all happening. Yeah. So what? Back to Reyna. What is he definitely good at? Do you think? Uh, you know, the the number one thing continues to be that ability to sort of receive the ball and then just kind of glide past people. Uh, who are in good defensive position. Like, people are set up to defend him, and for whatever reason, he just, whether it's sort of a misdirection as the ball's uh, traveling to him, or it's just incredible under like athletic intelligence and body control to just receive it and gain a little bit of leverage, and he's such a, like, a wide physical body, uh, but not not stocky. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's hard yeah. to even explain. But uh, he just He's big. Of, he's big. Just, yeah, they can't get back around him and gain that, gain that half a step that he gets on him and that's why they end up having to stick a foot out and he draws a ton of fouls uh not just in the box but he and Pulisic both as we get into CONCACAF uh if they don't draw a ton of fouls it will be it will be like because we are being heavily CONCACAF <laughs> yeah but I don't expect it I think I think mostly I think that those sort of CONCACAF issues are overblown and we do get our our share of calls and those guys are going to get tons of foul calls yeah yeah, I think the difference. I look at the I look at Reyna, and I think the difference between him and say a like Alex Mendez or Richie Ledesma at this point is mostly athleticism. I mean, they're 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 he has a way of like moving moving the ball around to to put a defender on the wrong foot, but it's it's that the wideness 
that why does a weird word for it but it is it, it works why you have to like body. take an extra step to get around his body positioning to get to the ball it's his you length i guess stab into it. it's like his length i suppose six foot something and and he's just he's quick he's powerful so yeah he's also relatively ball secure i mean that's that's part of it although i think he struggled with this a little bit on saturday he, he gave the ball away a few times and he get and then he He's shown that he can get in dangerous spots in the 18. For example, drawing a penalty and scoring a goal. <laughs> right. Not a bad day's work. Um, he's not a particular... So we're about to get into our midfield slash entire lineup discussion. But <laughs> I will say he's not a particularly energetic presser or ball winner. and Although he does win the ball sometimes. And he isn't making a ton of incisive passes. Like I said earlier, I thought he was pretty safe with his passing for the most part. He is good at sort of spreading it wide, which is, I think, a, a, a talent that we we will be able to make use of. Yeah, especially when he's able to sort of draw players into, again, to get past the first defender in a way that forces other defenders to start cheating over. Even if they don't commit fully to him, they have to sort of, they, everyone recognizes when a guy's half beat. And you have to start to pull away from your space to sort of compensate for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would. My last little critique is I don't. I think his off, movement off the ball leaves something to be desired. Definitely most comfortable dribbling, but you know he he's only seventeen. So the next time we see the national team, why shouldn't it be Adams at the six, McKenney at the eight, and Reina at the ten? Uh, I guess I'd say it can be that. Uh, it just can't be like left at that. So, you know, it's 2020 and we're well beyond being able to say, here's your 10, here's your eight, here's your six, get out there and, and have some fun, fellas. Uh, like, I know the that the fan base, the, that sort of community that, we, that we're a part of uh, online talking about these things uh, loves to say, like, why are we overthinking this? Just put these guys there in those spots. But I would say at this point, using those like delineations, the 10, 8, 6, uh, is, is sort of borderline meaningless uh, without a bunch of context. So I really do think that, you know, even though we're saying Berhalter's overthinking things, I really think to just say that's our midfield, let, you know, let's move on to the next thing, uh, is really underthinking it pretty badly. Hmm. So this is because... It's underthinking it pretty badly because we're going to be building out in some kind of 3-2-3-2 three, two, three, two, or 3-2-2-3. Three, two, two, three. Yeah, maybe. At the very least, like you, you kind of, if you're going to say, here's your 10-8-6, you have to say, like, here's how they will behave. Because not every 10 behaves the same way. Not every 6 behaves the same way. So how are we building out? Like, what's their role in the build out? What's their role after that? The whole Adams thing started because... Uh, you know, he dropped between the center backs and Nagelsmann even said he's going to, he can be this QB role for us. And so people seized on that. Uh, You know, even in that game, Adams wasn't sort of spraying the ball around at all. Like he was shifting it eight to 10 or eight to 20 yards Mm -hmm. side to side to his other center backs who were, who were on that line with him. Uh, Hardly like a um, tempo control or hardly like a distributing deep lying midfielder, a deep lying Uh, distributor. So, so again, so even those kind of questions matter and kind of have to be accounted for. Uh, but yeah, like that, you just, you just can't leave it there. You have to kind of say, all right, if we're going to build out in a three, two, what's this guy's role in it? Is Adams dropping in between the two center backs to form that three, or is he just a six sort of in name only, uh, because it's a nice shortcut, but really he's playing as he did in, in Leipzig's last game 
as like just a slightly more recessed dual eight like he was playing with Campbell and McKenney's that other eight. And if we're going to do that, then we either have to have McKenney dropping in as the six or one of the fullbacks has to stay back as part of that three. Is that, is that what we're getting at here? Yeah. I mean, so if, if we're going to say, uh, if we're going to build in that three, two, like let's say Adams and McKenney play sort of side by side, like Adams and Campbell just did in their last game, mm-hmm. which is my, that's my preference at the moment for sure. I think that's a much better use of Adams than anything else you can sort of do on the soccer field. Uh, then you have to then then you have to say all right well who are the back three going to be we know it'll be two center backs Brooks and and one other guy and we don't have to solve that one right now as we know it's kind of a log jam, uh, <laughs> but who's the other one going to be and so uh, we know it's not going to be Sergio Dest we know that if Anthony Robinson as a lot of people want to say we'll just throw Anthony Robinson and Dest on as your fullbacks obviously those two guys are comfortable in those positions so there you go get your best players on there uh, which is making a lot of assumptions already about. Robinson being one of our best players. Right. But if you're going to put those guys on there, certainly you're not asking any of them to stay back in the back three. Uh, so then it's like, okay, well, who's the, who's the guy who makes up that third player? Yeah, so it's you can't... And so you, you're saying, you're thinking we can't ever just build out with like a two-four or something. I don't know that you can't do that. I'm just I'm just saying that you know, for people saying use Adams as your as your QB who drops between the center backs, McKenney's your eight, and then Rain is your ten because he's playing ten for Dortmund. That leaves an open spot because that's you know Reina is playing the ten directly underneath Erling Holland. You know, and I think we want, I think we would want Reina playing in that same role for us as if you want to call him a ten as that player. Let's just do away with the numbers altogether and let's like specify like roles and spaces on the field. I think that's what you have to do here. Yeah. So if you want Reyna in the build out to be right underneath your striker, like he is at Dortmund in which he's looks incredibly effective at, uh, in for a program in the U S men's national team that has badly lacked players who can excel in that position since, since Clint Dempsey's, you know, aged out of the pool. For me, it makes no sense to take Reyna out of that space. Like he should be in that space. So, we have, if we establish him there, I think you can also, I think you also have to bring Christian Pulisic into the discussion. Right. <laughs> and Pulisic is going to be, I think, especially knowing that Reyna can play that uh, right-sided number 10, where he's right under the striker, shaded to the right. Christian Pulisic obviously having a ton of success at Chelsea as a left winger who pinches way in to play directly under the striker, shaded to the left. Like, good. Now, now we Now we're hitting, like, perfect fits for guys with our team and the way they play with their club. Right. And that's not, and the point is that's not going to be Reyna at the quote unquote 10. That's Reyna at right wing. Sort of. So I don't, I don't, don't yeah, I was you don't want to use those words. We don't have to commit to that yet. We can just say, here's how, here's where Reyna is going to play for us in the, in our possession. Yeah. So if we just, if we just start there and say Reyna playing directly under the, under the striker shaded to the right pool sick, being that winger coming in from the left to play under the striker. Like if we just start there and establish those roles, uh, I think that gets us uh, further into the conversation. Yep. And then we've got, and then we got to keep building. So if we keep building and say, well, McKenney's, you know, makes the most sense as one of the uh, eights in the buildup. Perfect fit. He's doing that for Juve. Uh, he, he's shown he can do that for the, for the U S men's national team. He's shown that he struggles in, in other roles where he's more advanced as like a 10. So this is great. We've got McKenney in a perfect fit. Yep. Still with me? I'm with you. 
All right. Any objections? No, I mean I I do have I do have a thought that, but I don't think it fits at this moment. So keep okay. going. So now where we say, all right, well we need another guy next to McKenney in the buildout, just like we have played in the past with the national team, just like Leipzig and Dortmund both play uh, with these guys in these roles, and and so again for me that guy is Tyler Adams, and you can call it whatever you want. He's he's the more defensive version of McKenney, and you can call him a six, or you can call him a dual pressing eight. Uh, I think Burhalter's kind of alluded to being to that being the name of that position. That's how I've been referring to it in the U.S. men's national team uh, context. So if you put Adams there, uh, again, we're, then we just keep filling in spots. So let's say Adams is that guy, then our our we're back to filling in that last spot in the three man back line. Right, and I think so. Your the options are Jackson Ewell or a Jackson Ewell type. Yeah. So let's say we throw, so that's a center mid. So if we throw in like a passing center mid, that's, we can do that. Like there's no real problem there as long as we think we have the right guy for it. Uh, And that just means that it, you know, it, all that changes is our defensive rotation. So if that's going to be a center mid that we use, uh, who's going to defend as a center mid when we rotate into defense, then that's easy. We still have Adams and McKenney and now this other center mid to defend. And it's easy to just shift Reyna out wide as a winger. So then instead of calling him a 10, you could call him an, in, an inverted winger, but his role in our possession and attack hasn't changed at all. Okay. And then you, <laughs> or you could, or you could have like say, Serginio Dest at left back and Reggie Cannon at right back, and Reggie Cannon be a stay-at-home uh, right back. And then you could have Reina, and then Serginio Dest would obviously get forward. Then you could have Reina play sort of as a nominal ten, and then have a like a Jordan Morris stay wide on at the right wing. Exactly. So I know, I know Doyle released one of his like a uh, like potential lineups for November uh, world cup qualifier. So essentially saying, here's what we could do for our, to get our best 11 on the field, or this could be our best team, not necessarily our best 11 players. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he put cannon at right back and dust at left back. And a bunch of heat came out about how, how are you putting, how are you keeping Robinson off the field? He's in the premier league now, whatever, whatever. But it's I, in my mind, it's not a choice between Cannon and Robinson. It's a choice between getting that extra winger on the field because of all the things we've just talked about. So if you play Cannon as a stay-at-home right back, then that opens the door to Caval- Dest as your left back going forward, and now you can put a true attacking player uh, on your right side. Not a not Robinson, who's a good attacker for a fullback, right. but an actual attacking Jordan Morris, who's been lights out for Sounders and mostly pretty good for the national team. Or if, if you're really on the Tim Weah train, it could be a Tim Weah as a winger. And and we're still safe with and, – and, yeah, and at that point, Reyna really is a 10, and he plays on that right side of 10 space in the attack, and he defends as sort of a 10 advanced central midfielder when we rotate into defense. Yeah, I like that. In fact, there are very few of these iterations that I don't like. You know, <laughs> uh, I guess I would just say, you know, I saw a tie – at final third respond to a, a tweet of yours last week where you were talking about some of this, these issues where he said, why would you put Adams at the six when he's not that great at, uh, at the build out and you lose some of his counter pressing qualities when he's further back in the field. And I, I get that. I get that. That is a, like in sort of the abstract playground of football Twitter, that is a good take. Like it, it makes sense, but 
I don't think World Cup qualifiers in Honduras and in Costa Rica and in Jamaica or you know wherever wherever we end up going, they're not in. It's not an abstract playground. And I think you just need like there's a part of me that sort of sides with this growing consensus that we need to have like a six, eight, ten of Adams, McKenney, Reina because honestly he'll he can build out fine. It's like he can pa- he can pass fine. I know I'm sort of contradicting myself, but he can do it okay. <laughs> And like you, you, okay, you can't counter press with him higher up the pitch when he's playing as the sort of an out and out quarterback six, like he did in that DFB Pokal game. But like, eh, so what? You know, you're still going to get his, his defensive presence in the middle of the field. I'm feeling today like it doesn't really matter that much. Well, you know? let's, uh, I'll, let's add some context then to that QB role because. He does. It's not like he just stays back as a center back in that role. Like he starts there in the buildup, but then as the ball enters the final third, as it enters the box, it, you know, if you watch sort of the the edge of that screen that he's on, he's on the right side of the screen while the ball's going into the box on the left side of the screen. You'll see there's some kind of a cue or a trigger where he obviously does step up into the midfield to become a central midfielder in the counter press. Uh, and the same thing was the case for Jackson Ewell in that Costa Rica friendly. Like, he doesn't just sit back with the center backs the entire game. Uh, there, t- As the ball progresses forward, he does come up into the into a central midfield space, and he is part of the counter press. For me, the, the reason I agree with Ty on this one is uh, it's basically just a matter of ground coverage. So the two pressing eights in, in the setup I'm, I'm thinking of uh, have to cover a lot more ground than that sort of quarterbacking six. The quarterback six still has a role to play in the press, and Adams definitely would play it very well. Um, but the the actual distances covered from you know big switches, he just has a smaller radius. That player has a smaller radius to move than the eights who have to go from the center of the field all the way out to the sideline when that when you know Costa Rica switches the ball from their left back to their right back. Uh, that's that'd be the pressing eight's job. He was pinched way in with the center midfielders, and now it's his job to get all the way out to that left back to press them and arrive at the same time as the ball, essentially. Yeah. Read the play and do that. So for me, that's where it's like we have maybe, and, and maybe we have other guys who would end up doing that well, like a Pomacall or a Holmes, uh, Legette, Alf- Alfredo Morales, Sebastian Legette. Um, and, and you might not, maybe you don't lose anything to put that guy there and run Adams as your pressing six. Uh, That'd be that would be sort of the only case for me that that I would want Adams in that quarterback role is if is if we find a guy who's almost as adept as Adams so we gain we don't lose too much in that pressing job and we gain a ton from our pressing six role. Yeah. Okay. So what where does Reina if Reina's playing as a nominal right wing in that setup where does he like where what are the implications for him if the one of the if one of the pressing eights has to run all the way to the sideline to to cover for a switch you know what i mean yeah and this is what i hate about sort of people saying well you just have adams as the quarterbacking six and then mckenny and reina are your other two center mids in my mind that effectively makes reina one of the pressing eights uh not a 10 at all and uh i don't know that he can't that he wouldn't be able to do that but you know it's it's not his strong suit yeah it's not a strong suit and i don't think we can replace his ability as that higher up the field player. So we lose a ton by taking him out of there unless Tim Wea is, is, is actually like in the same class as him in sort of that role. Uh, but you know, if, if you're playing anyone else in that spot, right under the striker, you're losing, you've lost a lot of ground. So I want Reina as high up as possible. I don't want him as one of the ball chasing eights. Okay. 
Well, I guess my only, the only thing I feel really strongly about here is that it, it doesn't make, because these games are going to be battles in hostile conditions, I just can't see the wisdom of, of starting Yule in the midfield, you know, nothing against him personally. He's, he's had a little bit of, he's had some struggles this season. Hasn't played as well as last year, but it's just, um, there's a lot of better ways to do it. It sounds, I mean, it sounds, some of them have been described by you in the last few minutes here. I, I just, I can't see that just to put a quarterback in between the center backs. Don't. A pure quarterback with significant defensive liabilities, we're saying. Yeah, right. I mean, I'd much rather it be Cannon at right back. I'd almost even rather it be Tim Ream at left back as a stay-at-home. I hope you can't play stay-at-home left back with Pulisic as your winger who tucks in. That's that's sort of the, the okay. rub. That's what I mean about all these knock-on effects. Like, uh, you gotta you gotta have somebody overlapping Pulisic. Okay. So Dasta Robinson. So it's really only canon. It's really only canon unless you want Adams at the quarterback role. You can run. You can run like a quarterbacking uh, center mid again, uh, and and you could keep like jo- this was to keep Jordan Morris on the field was this variation because uh, people are adamant that he play and I, again I, he he probably deserves a shot uh, to stay on the field with what he's done so far, um, and that would be keeping him wide on the right, playing Reina uh, as that sort of nominal ten then in the same space we've talked about, because he's got to be in that space. Uh, but then defensively, he stays central. Morris defends as the winger. And then it'd be Serginho Dest as a right back who would actually come in and play next to McKenney as a midfielder. And that's sort of just speculatively saying Serginho Dest is so versatile and technical that he can play anywhere. He's just, he can do anything. Which may be true, but in my yeah, sense right. is he's, my sense is he's most comfortable along the touchline. I mean that's where we've seen, that's where we've seen him play almost all his minutes, and he, all his highlights are from that spot. Right. So so yeah, that that's a that's a real reach. Now we should have all these all these variations we're talking about. We should get to see them tested out extensively because gold or uh, World Cup qualifying has been pushed, as I'm sure most people have heard by now. Uh, we're not doing the four game window in the summer. To huge to date, bummer. Huge as bummer. a recording deadline, Gold Cup is still happening in the summer. Which, which actually means we will have an extended camp in sp- probably six competitive games plus the tune-up games, if we have those, uh, to just be experimenting with uh, all of these new guys and these and, and developing these new uh, variations and permutations. So Gold Cup now has the chance to be an incredible uh, science experiment for Mr. Berhalter. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm now more excited about Gold Cup than I was 25 seconds ago. Oh yeah, sure. this this gold cup would be an incredible like uh, eight weeks. Yeah, for me, I, I I wouldn't I couldn't be more excited about seeing these guys playing uh, in all these different different looks. A couple other calendar notes: Nations League is in June now. I guess the March window is just going to be some international friendlies. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully full strength international friendlies. Uh, quick note on the Nations League then. Like for me, those games become kind of the throwaway games. You've got two games. Don't bring your other guys in if you're going to bring them in for Gold Cup. This is the overflow. This is Kenny Seff's time to shine, uh, <laughs> because we still and then we still potentially have the Olympics where you can you can throw all the uh, U23s who aren't quite first team ready. Now that our first team has gotten uh, an influx of high end talent, we should make a T-shirt. Kenny Seff's time to shine. <laughs> 
and then yeah, and then I I noticed I noticed this mentioned on Twitter. Who knows what is going to happen? But after the Gold Cup, there are only five windows left before the as of now scheduled April twenty twenty two final draw for the World World Cup. So that's ten matches. I don't know how they're going to do the Ocho in uh, five windows. Something's got to give. Something's yeah, got to give. There's a lot of lo- logistical uh, puzzles here in play. Yeah. We should mention a couple of, uh, before we get out of here, a couple of transfer-related items. Uh, what's something about Dest going to where? Dest. <laughs> Dest is in like the most tedious TV love triangle ever between Barcelona and Bayern where nothing ever actually is is being announced. It's just like now Barca are in the lead, now Bayern are in the lead. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, just like tedious in one sense. And, but yeah, I mean, pretty also cool. Pretty cool, yeah. But, it does seem like he's going to go to one or the other. And then, yeah, but like as you always say, anything can happen. We know nothing. Uh, the other one is Brendan Aronson. The Brendan, Brendan Aronson moved to RB Salt. Salzburg is starting to look real. Tommy scoops. Yeah, it's, like, it's like an official rumor now. Yeah. Not just a rumor. rumor. Certified rumor. Uh, okay. Anything else going on? Uh, Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson starting together in a cup game for Fulham as we speak. Uh, and, and then just another lineup of 50 odd MLS Olympic eligible players probably going to take the field tonight. Yeah. Man, MLS is on fire. The Savior Committee is uh, is growing. We do. Do we need to tear that out again? <laughs> we probably do. It's probably time. Yeah. Do you remember who the original uh, executive board was on that committee? The board of directors. Is that what it was? I don't know. I I can't remember, but I'm sure it was exactly right. What I remember is I had to convince you to bump Tyler Adams into the executive into the like first run board of directors. Yeah, you you weren't quite ready yet, and I was like, "No, we can put Adams on there." That sounds like it's that sounds false. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's true. I've always been a little bit of a Tyler Adams skeptic because he doesn't play a lot of uh, interesting forward passes, but I'm off the skepticism now. <laughs> All right, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Greg. See ya. <laughs>